All right, he's coming back. Let me just roll the intro graphic and we will see you in a second. So, hey everyone, happy Friday. Ooh, what a Friday. Uh, I'm joined by the one and only Carlos Cano. How's it going, man? What a week. Um, I, I'm, I would say I'm considerably less depressed than the people I see on Twitter and on podcasts and stuff. But yeah, what a week. I mean, we thought... <laughs> Every time I come here, it's like sort of a crisis mode, but this one <laughs> somewhat feels different. Yeah, this is like, this is um, is interesting for sure. And I, I feel like this is very different from anything that's happened before. This has a, gra a gravity to it that equals Mount Gox, I think. Because yeah. it's much, it's actually much bigger than Mount Gox, but it's, the space was so tiny when Mount Gox happened, it felt like it was everything. And now it's just like, oh, this is another one of those things. But just like that, I am also not, too concerned so before we jump too much into the stuff uh just want to remind everyone to like comment share, subscribe all that stuff um i'll keep on I, I need to start hustling more for like likes and subscribes because whenever i do i get them and it helps but you know i usually like eh, whatever um so if you have my nfts you are in my discord and you get access to the digital cash rundown super chat and you can go in there and don't worry carlos i'll i'll hook you up at the end uh and but if you don't you can go to cointr.ee slash the desert links, cointr e, and still old school, leave a little uh, donation message and you get your super chat popped up on the screen. And at some point soon, again, I guess so much work to do, but I would, I'm going to make a, a way, an easier way to get an FT. So you can actually buy it in show, just like while the show's going, just sort of like click a link, buy it and get into this course, start, start leaving super chats like live, which would be pretty, pretty cool. I just figured that'd be like a nice way of doing things. So you get a little, a little, an actual fancy thing rather than just, oh, I paid for that one message and then it's gone. So that being said, let's start. Um, FTX is ongoing saga. Everything that's happened until now. So the only thing ahead of time I have to say on this is um, FTX is was one of the larger crypto exchanges in the world. I don't know exactly how it ranked, but it was like number. I just, I was literally just seeing the figures from November. So let, let me just pull that up real quick, but, but I got that data. Um, yeah. Top continue. three for sure. I mean, it was like people kind of sleep on Binance being just there all the time, but it was, it was starting to get there. I do remember that they got into I was I was hearing discussions from that side of things about trying to buy Coinbase. And when you're thinking about buying Coinbase, you're big, right? So yeah. So who, who do you think was okay? Binance was number one, forty-seven percent of the market. That's pretty big. Uh, th yeah. This is in June, by the way. Uh, there I couldn't find more recent figures, but this is in June. Um, who do you think was was next? Um. I would either do Coinbase or Crypto.com, but I don't know this this part of the space super well. It's surprisingly an exchange called Upbit, which I didn't even oh, know existed. Interesting. No, I know about Upbit. Um, they just yeah? not in the um, 
they're not like super us oriented as far as i know oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, could, it could be that it could be that they're like more popular in india or somewhere then yeah. number three was ftx with an eight percent share of the market um mm. then it came coinbase uh bitmart huobi uh, all the all the other big ones but yeah, yeah. I, w I was surprised to see like no one actually gets any closer to to being a decent competition to binance when it comes to market share it is absolutely insane and huge uh so let's roll let's because binance figures strongly into this story so let's um yeah, let's yeah. go down this actual story so i'm going to start from the bottom because it's it's a sequential thing of like what happened so here we go oops i skipped too far so let me just make sure it looks good on the screen yep there we go so november 2nd reports sbf founded company held significant amounts of ftt which is uh um what do they call it ftx's token so, so all beta researchers supposedly held significant amounts of token so it's like it's kind of like um too much like shared risk November 5th, trackers pick up significant FTT movement to Binance. So basically, Binance is like getting ready to start dumping. And then, my mouse wheel's not working well. Then Alameda CEO explains the balance sheet. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you know, um, if you've ever seen pictures of this lady, but she looks like like a 17-year-old like a librarian. Like, there's no way. It just does not look like the president of a, a major... Um, exchange or anything like that um and yeah and she actually has the same name as my my little sister-in-law who's also like very young so um yeah they, anyway then we move on to because there's uh, so many things in here where binance comes in Binance moves to liquidate ftt holdings due to recent revelations so this is the point this is where the story gets interesting it's not just oh alameda has a lot of ftt Oh, well, you know, this and that. Oh, maybe something's moving to Binance, which Binance was making a move to start selling their FTT holdings. That's really what it was. But the fact is CZ comes out, Changping Zhao, the, the, the big cheese himself, says as part of Binance's exit from FTX equity last year, where they received all this much, due to recent revelations, we're going to be dumping it all. But it's going to be slowly in a way that doesn't disrupt the market. You know, and then yeah, like, like the that, market so was in go, fact go disrupted. Way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the market did get quite disrupted. So basically, like you're in, ever gonna get that. Yeah, in my view, this is when CZ basically just says, "Oh, you wanna you wanna fuck around? You're gonna find out." This is when he decides to like cause something. And I should say, um, I kind of blame CZ like ten percent in all this, like just a little bit. He kicked things off, but. There was it was worth being kicked over, kind of. So then Alameda CEO offers to buy their holding, the Binance's holdings. Basically just says, like, oh, we'll buy all your we'll buy all your holdings so you don't sell it and crash everything that we, we have. And then they basically refuse that. And then all of a sudden people start saying, get your funds out of FTX. This is financial advice. The bank run begins. Everything starts to happen. So that's November seventh. That wasn't very long ago. And then SPF says, assets are fine, but can we like figure something out with CZ? Oof. And then here we go. CZ refuses uh, Alameda's OTC deal for the, uh, for the, the, to buy the FTT tokens. 
Now that's when it starts to really go bad. So then stuff starts to waver on the 8th. FTX creates a liquidity crunch. And then instantly, like in the space of like a day or two, like literally just like a couple days, they're just like, ah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh shit, we got to sell our whole exchange to Binance. It's like, I thought that was like, wow, this escalated quickly. But that <laughs> it was only the beginning. And you, then, it did it turn out to be that turned out to be the happy ending to this story mm -hmm. <laughs> that never happened. Like if we would have gone that route, like God, Jesus, fuck, like yeah, <laughs> the pain with that pain that would have spurred. Yeah, I mean, grab the popcorn, kids. There's so much more. SP SBF removes the assets are fine. Tweet FTX websites go dark. Now it's like oh, things are really bad. Binance officially backs out of the agreement. So I almost feel like this initial bank run thingy was to sort of make um, make FTX start to collapse and start to like run into trouble. But it wasn't until Binance kind of was in talks to acquire FTX that that set up the death blow. Because if they just said, if they didn't said anything, then SBF could have run around and told everyone like, Hey, we need some liquidity really quick. It's okay. Problem. And then maybe they could have gotten some investments and then kind of raided the ship for just a little bit, even though they had a huge scare. But then the fact that Binance is like, no, we'll come in and save you. As soon as you're talking about this acquisition deal, it's like the company's done. But then when you back out of it, now it's like a flaming corpse. It's over. It's so over. And Binance kicked things off, offered to sell and then backed out like the, Wow, they they did everything they absolutely could. Um, it just, it's just mind-blowing. I, I mean, there's a cynical part of me which wants to say, okay, they decided to burn it to the ground to buy it off for as cheap as they could. And then halfway through, they just decided that it was more profitable to leave it for dead than to pick it up. So they decided to completely, that's my conspiracy theory. I have zero data to back this up guys. Uh, yeah, but that makes sense. I mean, sounds reasonable to me. That's actually nicer than probably <laughs> what, what maybe I'm thinking. But uh, anyway, so we got November 9th. We only got two days, two more days to go. Crypto market is sea of red. SBF tells investors supposedly, that he needs eight billion in emergency funding. Can you imagine it's just like, billion. oh, bro, yeah. I gotta. It's tight before payday. Uh, can you spot me a quick eight billion? <laughs> it's like <laughs> Jesus. Uh, weren't you just the rich, like the one of the richest people? Anyway, it's crazy. FTX urges against depositing, unable to process withdrawals. Oh no! Now we're on to yesterday. Sequoia Capital marks down entire two hundred fourteen million FTX stake, FTX stake to zero. So basically, Sequoia Capital, a VC firm, had 214 million of FTX, and they're putting that on their balance sheet now as being worth zero. They basically says F say FTX is done, and they're just they're officially admitting it to their tax accountants. And then <laughs> SBF is apologizing over the liquidity crisis. I fucked up twice. Oh, more than twice. But then Japan's financial regulator requests FTX halt operations. Then blockchain data suggests that FTX may have resumed withdrawals. This is where it gets really bad, right? Because you start seeing outflows from FTX. And when you see these outflows, it's not regular customers. This is when the backroom deals start. This is when people are like, oh shit, can you, can you just like get me for like, I'll, I'll 
owe you big time if you get my money out first. And then they're they're doing stuff like that. Again, there's a lot you, of spec there's a lot of speculation can, in that statement, but there's a lot of truth as you'll see further up the list. Yeah. Can you can you send me the link to this article just so I can scroll crawl through it uh, as you're reading it because I wanted to point 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 pinpoint okay. something. So if you could just drop it in our telegram or something too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Done. you. Please resume. This is fun. So Maxine Waters, who I don't trust, whatever. She warns of great major consequences for users of unregulated crypto firms citing FTX. So now the U.S. regulators are starting to get into this thing. CZ speaks with the president of El Salvador, confirming the country is not exposed to the FTX situation. Whew. I mean, wow. Can you imagine if, um, if all of El Salvador's Bitcoin was custodied on FTX. Can you imagine? <laughs> just like now you're wiping out nations. Now it's just it's all over. Um or oh, yeah, just imagine that oh well, that man. Yeah. So then the Republican lawmaker claims SEC chair Gary Gensler was coordinating with FTX to obtain a regulatory monopoly. Now there that might be hearsay, but but the spirit of that is true, in my opinion. Because as everyone's known, FTX has or SBF has been arguing, has been one of the crypto Judas. He has been arguing for more regulation for the entire industry that would hurt, I guess himself maybe, but competitors a lot. And he's been fighting with Eric Voorhees and other people like that. It's just been a big to do over him basically trying to be the guy to, to propose uh, legislation to regulate crypto. And honestly, it's because as someone who runs a centralized exchange, he wants to crack down on DeFi because that's his biggest competitor. And so whether he was working directly with the SEC chair is, you know, that's an accusation. I don't know what evidence there is on that, but it, is he working indirectly with this? Absolutely. Like, is he, is he doing the regulatory pushes to try to get ahead? Absolutely. All right, now we go. FTX US resigns from the Crypto Council for Innovation. FTX US announces it may halt trading on its platform in a few days. And I remember in the early tweets, uh, SBF said that FTX US was not affected, but the other one was. And now it's like, well, apparently everything. Here we go. FTX assets frozen by Bahamian securities regulator. So uh, SBF allegedly lives <laughs> in the Bahamas. And supposedly there was a lot of like that's where you have a lot of capital outflows from the exchange was for you know accounts in the bahamas and basically his friends and stuff like that getting their money out and here's where it gets just gnarly right bahamas account on ftx withdraws millions of funds for other users using nfts <laughs> Like, 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 yeah, yep. like you couldn't get any more, like, yeah, fucking shady or just horrible. Oh, where is this Sam guy right now? With like, he's on, is he really on the run or, or has someone managed to locate him? Well, we're getting to that. Um, okay. So, as far as the, <laughs> this is just the first post post of today. So, on yesterday, FTX open withdrawals but only for the Bahamas, which is where SPF is supposedly living. Now there's been an account that's been withdrawing a bunch of funds, but basically what they did is they were allowing certain, um, certain users to take their FTX balances, also known as dead money they can't use, and buy NFTs with that that then got like withdrawn. So they're using it to launder out NFTs 
in order to get some kind of capital out. Now here we go further. So California regulators to investigate FTX crypto exchange collapse, of course. And here we go. Rumors about the arrest of FTX CEO Sam Bankman fried fuels community reaction. So basically, the crypto community, community blah, 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 the most prominent conspiracies in November 11th that suggest that he was arrested on the tarmac at the Bahamas airport. They did some like, you know, posting some flight radar map stuff and kind of doing some estimates of like, where is he? Anyway, Alameda employees resigned collectively after a meeting. That was earlier today. FTX's institutional head resigned just a day after the exchanges fallout starting to collapse. So FTX has liabilities roughly worth $8 billion, according to Zane Tackett. So where are we now? Let me just, I'm going to refresh this page in case something else has popped up. Here's a very ignorant question. Yes. What country do the Bahamas yeah, belong to or, or how does that work? I have no idea how that works. Um, I think it's a, a sovereign thing. Like Okay. Are they, are they like a sovereign state? Yeah. So let me... Um... Let me just Google that real quick. Um... Yeah. So um, I know that, you know, the Commonwealth of Bahamas, um, I know that they have been used frequently for offshore accounts and things like that. I know that kind of came a thing for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... um. I think that's also where like a lot of the, we hear like offshore is like that kind of stuff. So yeah, they got independent from the UK in 73. So okay. uh, and they have a monarch. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But you like, imagine being king of the Bahamas. <laughs> usually, I mean, I think SBF thought he was, but like usually when you get these kinds of things, um, it's usually nations like this like to play nice to their more like, wealthy um, oh yeah wealthy neighbors definitely and stuff and so they'd be like the fact that there is like regulatory instant regulatory action and possible arrest and stuff being made because of this it's bad news it's like wow how bad did it get that now like you're getting the bahamas government involved so oh, yeah, yeah. I, I i thought you were going the other direction but yeah that's right how bad can it get to like uh a jurisdiction known for money laundering arrests you so what is your, your hot take on the situation first? <laughs> on this situation, I'm gonna, first of all, go back a little bit. How bad do you have to be trading to lose $8 billion and, and get into this whole mess? Mm -hmm. Forget about like playing with users' funds. How bad do you have to fuck up with those users' funds so you get into that situation to begin with? Then... Um, now, of course, there are all kinds of allegations about like how bad they're treating the employees, how they how they were like just in their communication with them, their managerial practices and all that. But uh, I think if someone's looking fantastic after all of this, that's our mutual friend Eric Borges, <laughs> like that yeah. guy <laughs> right, right now. Yeah, right now he must be feeling incredible because he. When they did that podcast with uh, with Bankless, I just thought, one, these guys are totally sucking up to SBF. Mm -hmm. Second, he's the only one not buying their bullshit. Third, SBF really has a pretty annoying voice. Uh, 
never heard him speak. Yeah, well, it was pretty difficult to listen to the whole thing. But uh, were you trying to pick beef with uh, with Bankless earlier on Twitter? I saw something and I didn't know how to how to read that. <laughs> you mean you're asking why why I was beefing with them? No, I, I was asking you if, if like the intention was actually to beef with them because I, I think like people should like these guys don't go get called out when they act like they knew all along. Yeah, I I don't know them and their podcast too well. I just know that they're there. They're big figures. They're ETH people, Ethereum people. And I know that the thing, the, my only beef, my big beef with them, which I don't really have much beef with anyone, but my big beef with them, they call their show fucking bankless. And they're the most like corporate banked, little like weasley oh, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they won't have anyone real on their show who's like, you know, I mean, they won't have me on the show that, that much I know, but I, I'm pretty sure they've had no one real except for Eric Voorhees. And that's only because he's about as like edgy as you can get and still get on the show. And it just like, to, yesterday it really annoyed me. That Who's they that, just, sorry? Eric, Eric Voorhees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's a real, he's a, a real one. However, he's very like, tied with a lot of the crypto like the digital currency group and stuff like that he's a lot very comfortable with the suits as they were even though he's he's real and what he's working on is real he's friends with a lot of fake people and so it's he's like the the edgiest most real person that they could have on and even then it was only for like a debate and it just when they're like i feel like there's nothing else good in crypto uh, when they're all like whining like that it's just like oh you know, come on, like, we haven't been using it the entire time. Like, we haven't been using it to not be part of this banking system. Just because some banks fail, you're like, oh, well, crypto sucks. Well, like, you should know better. It's just so, it's very disappointing. But, like, also, I just like to have an opportunity to boost my Twitter clout by roasting people who deserve it. There's, <laughs> there's that, too. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, Eric is very, very much, like, libertarian unapologetic but like if you go back to that episode that debate they're almost treating him like the bad guy there like the guy to beat on that because these guys are super corporate like you said uh and he came out of that looking like okay this dude just would not compromise on his ideals and then like two days ago turns out the other guy is, a to is in total shambles and I think he came out pretty vindicated from that. I don't think any anything's gonna come out of it, but just think it's pretty cool how the timing of that went. Yeah. So as for hot takes, I, I mean, really, 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 like, what we wanted institutions to come to to DeFi and or to crypto, and sort of what we're really getting is institutionalized scams that's what we're getting just like the institutional versions like the suit people are scamming you it's not the people in shorts anymore um and it fucking sucks and this ties in very deeply with the real topic of your podcast which is cash and which is fiat on ramps fiat off ramps solving that problem for crypto should be huge and should be as decentralized a way as possible to avoid these kind of things. Because if you had a fiat on-ramp and cheap transaction fees, why would you even use something like FTT? 
I mean, FTX. Mm. Yeah, and that's the thing is you don't really need fiat on-ramps if you earn crypto. So that's that's the kind of funny thing about this whole thing is uh, when we're talking about these crypto banks, everything is, this is just the old financial world coming in and just doing it what it does except without the same um, protections. And by protections, I mean bailouts. Like mm-hmm. in 2008, this exact thing happened, but probably on a much larger scale. I mean, I didn't check the numbers, but probably on a significantly larger scale. Oh, and, yeah, that thing ruined the world. This just yeah. ruined crypto for a while, but like that thing ruined the world for everyone. Yeah, so it was on just, it was such an insane thing. And then we all paid for it then. The only thing is like, can you imagine if you had to pay... Like, imagine if instead of FTX and all of its subsidiaries breaking down, instead what happened with the old financial system was, well, that all happened, but instead of just those people losing money, they all kept their money, but everyone else in crypto paid like a 20% of their life savings to, to bail that whole thing out, just kind of done in extra token printing across all chains and over a period of time. It's literally just what happened. And so you just don't see it. It's more, it's less visible. These kinds of people don't go to jail in the legacy system. They just get bailed out because they're connected, which by the way, I've been pointing out SBF gave 40 million of his own money to U.S. Democratic Party campaigns ahead of the midterm elections that happened this last Tuesday. So he's already been buying political influence and there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories out there about, Oh, his mom started all these political things. And then how did he get to like, I haven't looked too much into that, but he's politically connected, which takes us by the way, um, to our next point here, U S senators commit to advancing crypto bill, despite the FTX collapse to you. Okay. Good. Two U S senators said that the, the downfall of FTX clearly exemplified the need for greater federal oversight of the digital asset industry. And this is how SBF really fucks us all. <laughs> because his whole thing was he started drafting like proposed reg- like legislation, like rules on how to do this stuff. And now that he got it went down in a flaming blaze of glory. It's still being implemented. Even though he was the bad guy calling for all this other regulation, all this stuff, they're still gonna try to take his, the, his stupid ideas. <laughs> and put them in and kind of hurt everyone. And that's like the big thing is, first of all, everyone that this is likely going to do much more harm than his actual dumb scammy things in his exchange. Cause that's just a giant explosion. Everyone's market dips for a while. His actual customers lose all their money, but then you can recover from that. This is something you can't recover from. Yeah, It's just that the thumb on top of the thing. Now it's going to be like, Oh, well everything has to be this, that, that. And then we're going to bail out, exchanges that like go under in the future and it's like it's this is his his legacy unfortunately and so yeah i mean that part makes me a little sad because the thing with with this kind of collapse is it's only like people at some point are going to have to start learning to be smarter with their money and so for example i have not lost any money in the ftx I have not lost any money in Mt. Gox. I did not lose any money in 
just every single single thing because I learned my lesson early on. Now, the one lesson that I I probably should have learned was that before putting a very small amount into UST, into Luna, I should have looked a little more into the stuff. I had misgivings the way it worked, but I was like, oh, a friend of mine who does a lot of research, he said he's put everything into this. So I'm going to just try it out as like a little stable coin strategy in the bear market. And then boom, that all exploded. I'm like, all right, well, I uh, screwed up once. I know, you know, I'm not going to get mad at it. It's my own fault for like not looking super, super into UST. But I mean, I was never, I was mentioning how Ponzi like it sounded on my shows while I have a little, little bit of it myself just to try it out. So I don't really care. But like, this is the only way people learn to do their due diligence and kind of stuff, especially since almost everything that FTX did, like people had it on the platform to like stake and earn and things like that. Almost all of that today you can do on DeFi. And people just got freaked out by a, a, a hack here or there or an exploit. But DeFi is inherently safer, at least over the long period than this. Because in my opinion, CFI over a long period trends to hack and trends to collapse. And DeFi is the opposite. It's risky when it's like untested, but then the more open source, the longer open source code is out there, the more it gets worked through, the lower the risks get over a period of time until it's, you know, basically about as risky as transacting using, say, the Bitcoin blockchain, which, which is yeah. like, now nah, you know the rules, you know how it's going to turn out, basically. Man, I think... Um... It's, a, it's just like a ridiculous thing with, with the bailouts and all that. But like, I'd really advise anyone that hasn't or even that has listened to that debate with Eric and SVF to go mm -hmm. listen to it. Because now when you when you listen to it, having known like the whole history, how it played out and the story of SVF and all that, then you start realizing, okay, on top of everything he did, you now you're now gonna take more seriously the claims that Eric did, that he's doing, um, he he's making huge donations to politicians that will help him further his cause, while while taking chances from the DeFi cause, while actually trying to support initiatives that censor DeFi. Mm. So that's a long term bad play for the actual decentralized side of things that's that's a shame he's been um uh, he's been pontifying on the whole industry for a while i actually do not remember when was the last time i heard like i, I remember thinking to myself and this is gonna sound like everyone else saying like i always suspected it but like i remember thinking mm -hmm. to myself when he started becoming famous like okay when centralized exchange figureheads start becoming famous that's never a good sign uh th that's as far as i got with that but like do you remember at what point he started becoming like this celebrity in our industry um i actually don't um it's kind of funny because uh, the crypto industry is like segmented so much that now like it i mean i'm gonna be honest which might sound make me sound stupid but I didn't know what FTX was until like a year ago. I didn't, okay. I didn't know it existed. I was like, what is this thing? Oh, you know how I found out what FTX was? was let when me they... know. Let, let, let me guess. When they purchased Blockfolio. Exactly. 
Yeah. I didn't even use Blockfolio, but I just knew that like some people that I knew were like trying to broadcast dash alerts, like dash project things onto the Blockfolio updates thing. And they're like, oh, we can't get get a hold of them ever since they got acquired by FTX. That's the only reason I didn't know what FTX was. I didn't know they were an exchange. I thought they were another Blockfolio. But then like it was only within like the last year or maybe even less that I even know they were exchange. I didn't know who SBF was until like two, three months ago, like very recently. Cause like all these, I'm just out of the trader loop of things. I'm just focused on other things. And it just, I kind of like, Oh, that's that guy. Like I kind of like didn't, I only knew a few like crypto YouTubers like BitBoy and stuff. I like, it's funny because these cast of characters changes constantly, right? There's just a new new cast of characters, new things, whatever. Um, yeah. I know Brian Armstrong, Coinbase, he's been there since the beginning. Obviously, Voorhees. Obviously, CZ, because he runs the, the freaking world. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, there's and then I just know a few other like figureheads of projects, like Charles Hoskinson, who, Baby, Baby Haas, who's, um, he just finally turned 35, <laughs> <laughs> I still still react to this, the way he looks, but um, I just you know if you like I don't know who's in charge. I don't know any of the Solana devs or anything like that. I don't know any of those people. I can't couldn't give you a face or a name. I don't know any of the anything about. I know a little bit about Polkadot, but I don't know any of the people behind it. Like so many things, I just don't know. And I guess I should be better at that. But this crypto cele- like the celebrity thing. Now I I'm learning about this retroactively where I'm going back and seeing, Oh, there that's that guy that was in all those pictures in times square. Oh, that's that guy with those stupid, weird cringe documentary things about this guy's a billionaire and he eats plants and he's going to give money to everyone. And like, I just like all that weird stuff. And you know, what's the funny thing about this guy. Um, first off, he's young, like significantly younger than me. Um, and he, uh, he also, from what there's a lot of rumors of him and his people doing like weird meth orgies and stuff in the Bahamas with all that money. Well, why, why is he? Why is he always the orgies? Why does these people always like? Why do we have to? On top of everything they do, every time someone scams the entire world, we have to hear about their sex lives. Um. Because it's but there, there's always something. There's they're always playing with something weird. Aside from like scamming and stealing money, dude, just the amount of money that like these guys had. He he was how much money was he worth at the top of his uh, game? Like fourteen something like that billion or something like that. Yeah, many billions. Well, and Ridiculous. that's the thing. These like valuations, it kind of had like. I'm starting to realize that it all doesn't, it doesn't mean what it means, you know? Like, that's the thing. Oh, like, yeah. When, when you t- talk about valuation, like, what is something worth? And this is, of course, true in money. But I'm also just talking about, like, people's public reputation or, like, the ability of this guy to kick anyone else's ass in a real fight. Like, all that stuff, it's, like, so, like, not absolute. It's, like, the best fighter in the world can have an off day or if you fight someone who just has the right com- combination of things who's nowhere near not quite as good as him but can beat like on a different day this person wins it's like it's all 
the absolute, everyone's the best, the biggest, these absolute metrics, and that does not exist in this world. It's so like all this money, like how much is he worth? Well, first of all, uh, a lot of people were assuming that that was, this guy has a business where he takes customer money and exchanges it for other stuff. And the profit, the slim profit margins on those many times over builds up an actual war chest of real value and equity. And then his company is worth that much and his shares in that company are worth that much. Therefore, he's worth that much. Well, first of all, it turns out that he did, he was taking customer funds, like literally people's money and then buying other things with them, like doing other things like leveraging them against this and that to like have more value and losing money on top of that. Yeah. But stacking on top of each other and then the valuation of this dumb token associated with his, his exchange was high enough. And because of his holdings and this and that, all those numbers. I mean, do you know how much he's worth now? Like now? No, 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 no. I, I bet if I run into him today and I will tell him, dude, if you go to zero, like if you go and start from scratch, everything disappears. He would take it immediately. So he's worth less than zero right now. Yeah, he is. I, I even see, I've even seen some um, some people saying that his net worth is is now classified as zero today. And it's like, well, how do you have all this money? And then now, like, when you think about what happened. Nothing burned to the ground. Nothing actually happened except everything happened. Literally, the only thing that happened was some people said some things and learned more about the money he had. And then they got scared and it's worth nothing now. Like, that's literally the only thing that... Like, nothing happened materially in the last week, really. But all of a sudden, like, because it was all bullshit, he didn't have that money. It was all inflated on all this weird speculation and stuff. And once people's minds changed, whoom, all of a sudden he has nothing. It's just crazy. Well, that, that's an incredible that's an incredible take because, yeah, like, what actually happened is, like, some information moved from some heads to others and then, boom. Yeah, fucking, fucking weird. Now, uh, another thing is, like, Alameda was doing pretty poor, poorly in their trading. I guess that's what was happening. What like the one thing that actually happened that triggered all of this was like that they were trading pretty poorly. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you go to now, everyone's saying shit, right? Like like now you don't know what to believe or what stories are real, which ones are fake. But there were some people that say like, okay, this guy was pretty much behind the whole Luna thing. This guy was behind all other massacres in the industry <laughs> and cc knew all about that and like he just pulled the trigger now because he saw a chance for it to actually benefit him which i mean i, I can I, I can believe that story like it's like the whole busd thing like he's willing to to walk over things in that benefit him to make like a net huge gain so I'm just left wondering if he's capable of slaughtering his enemies as easily and now he's owning bigger and bigger shares of the market, he's just going to do that more easily. So what market share do you think Binance is going to have in 2030? 
Um, so I don't know about 2030, but in 2023, like January, it's probably gonna be like 85 <laughs> percent. Like oh yeah, so, so like, the, like everything. <laughs> the the real question is like, okay, how much do we want to trust these guys? Because now after this, is if Binance is over, it's all over. Like I can see that like being like the nail on the coffin of this industry, if that ever happens. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it also like the, that's why we need to push like decentralized systems a lot quicker. Um, let me see. So, well, really quick, just because it's, it's not an actual question or whatever, but one time I had some funny comments in there where he says, um, Sam bankrupt fried. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that is very accurate. He got screwed. Uh, but on back on the news thing, this was an interesting tweet I saw. SBF's investments. Now, this is something that... Oh, wow. Okay, let me put this on. Could, I was just to my side. Um, this will take forever to like chew through, probably. And it's very deep. Oh. But basically... Can, can you send me the link? Sorry. Can, yeah. can you just stop sharing the screen and send me the link? Because I want to see this in detail and I'm seeing this in like this very, yeah, very let me, pixel um, screen. Let me get that to you. But the thing about this is obviously we can't go through. It would take probably the whole show to start going through every single one of these. But the point is here through Alameda, here's all the investments that they had. They're invested in all these things. So if they go... You know, then they will have to, you know, they'll have to liquidate these investments, right? And so, or a lot of these. So, Polygon is one I see on that. That's kind of a big one. But Polygon's been doing so well with everything else that I'm not really scared for like a collapse or something there. But still, like yeah. Lido is another one they were invested in. So they're invested on a whole bunch of things, like Voyager, for example. That's a that's a bad one. So did you, did you tag me on this thing? Well, I didn't tag it. I sent it to your Telegram. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I was waiting for a tag. Okay. Yeah. And so, but this is just stuff. This is second order effects of like, okay, well, if they have to sell equity and all these kinds of things, they all go, they all get hurt, but they're not that bad. It, not necessarily that bad. But then you go down to here and it's like, okay, now through FTX, acquisitions are Bitvo, Blockfolio, Ledger, Liquid Global, Storybook, Brawl, and Voyager. So, Voyager, I, I do know, unfortunately, some people personally who lost a lot of money in Voyager and they're like waiting to get it back. And after FTX bought them, they're like, oh, okay, well, things are going to be better. But now the FTX is screwed. It's like, wow, that's even better. And then, of course, they're invested in all, all, all these ones here. Mm. And FTS US is in acquired Ledger Prime and Embed Financial Tech and is invested in BlockFi, although basically bailed out BlockFi. So now BlockFi, by the way, is, um, has once again paused like withdrawals and stuff like that because they don't know what's going on with their basic owners. <laughs> so that's pretty good. And then FTX Ventures are invested in just like everything. Let me, let me ask you something. What do you think is going to happen with Solana? With Solana? Yeah. Uh... So Solana's in shambles right now. Yeah, I I honestly think that Solana, based on the strength of its integrations and stuff like that, it's going to be around for a little while longer. I think that Solana as the Ethereum killer is dead, though. Like I think it's it's and honestly, like good riddance. 
Like I've never been a fan of Zolana just because first thing yeah. I hear centralized garbage. Okay. I already don't care. I mean, if you want the best centralized, if you want centralized garbage, get the best centralized garbage, which is Binance chain. You know, exactly. Like, if you want <laughs> like, the best, get your top quality vaporware, <laughs> your top garbage, you know, the top of the barrel, not the bottom, you know, you know, just like the, the sandwich someone took one pe- bite out of and just left on top of the trash run. That's what you want. For your garbage, you don't want the the banana that's been rotting at the bottom of the garbage. For, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You get the old toaster. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It yeah. so, but then also it just kept breaking all the time, and so I, I couldn't take it seriously for that, and especially when you see a lot of money in it, that's a sign that they have no incentive to change and evolve. If they're breaking all the time, but they're poor, that's one thing. But if they're rich and they have they're spending money on like Times Square little stores where they sell sneakers and stuff, like all this weird stuff, and they don't work. It's like, okay, that's a bad sign. That's a sign that they're going to just lose everything. So I don't think Solana is going to be around in the future. I just think that it'll take them a little while for their network effects, for all the NFT creators that are on their platform and all this kind of stuff, all that to just kind of go away. It'll take a while. But yeah, I think that they're going to be gone. Um, that's going to be that's gonna be crazy. Let me see. What is the next? Well, uh, what, what's your realistic, realistic uh, worst case scenario on the aftermath of all of this? What's like the one thing you could say, you would say? Okay, fuck that happened. Now what? So what do I think is the worst case scenario, as far as like what like after this right now? Yeah, I, I guess I mean regulation wise because the I, I mean like people lose their money. That happens all the time but like the problem is like now this might actually impact regulation and hurt things in the long term yeah i think what it's going to do is it's going to make it significantly more difficult to acquire and sell cryptocurrencies on centralized exchanges so that's for sure like it's good i think that they're gonna have to register like they're gonna have to have a tighter control over KYC and like who buys and sells on their platform and then where the money goes after it's transferred off platform. They're going to have to have many more restrictions. Um, I definitely think that stable coins are going to be regulated much more like bank accounts. So like, it's not just like the wild west right now. Uh, I really think like, so I think that also, there's going to be a much heavier policing by the SEC and things like that about what constitutes the security and what doesn't and making um, all the exchanges that trade in those register as securities exchanges, which will be like, you know, Coinbase will, maybe Binance US will. Like, a, and There are going to be a few big securities exchanges that are highly regu- reg- regulated and registered, and that's kind of where it, get, where it goes. But then, like the the rest of the crypto world is, in my opinion, going to become. I wouldn't say dark, but it's going to be very different to where it's going to be people who get paid in crypto directly for jobs and stuff, or people who build DeFi protocols and then just start like trading amongst all those little assets there. But they never touch like fiat. They never. It's going to be harder to buy in. It'll be just a bunch of a, you know, a kind of a little bit more. A crazy thing there will be a constant demand though for new capital and so there's gonna be a lot of laundering going on where people will buy and sell crypto on a regulated exchange on behalf of other people 
and those people will routinely get like busted and thrown into jail. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. just kind of the way I, I see the thing shaking out. Crypto, like probably for people like me, it's not going to change a whole lot. It's just going to be like, oh, you keep running your crypto stuff. You keep you pay taxes on whatever and blah, blah, blah. And then like, but just when you start to get into this like institutional stuff, it's going to get a lot more, more difficult. I, I do think a lot also, a lot of like payment apps are going to start like, implementing more KYC kind of things too, which I don't know. We'll see what, ha what actually happens. Um, let's see. We did get a, another super chat from one time. Let me throw that in there. Um, more gating into, <clears throat> yes. The worst thing that I see happening is more gating of DeFi apps. So like people forcing, well, not people forcing you like just getting forced to use, uh, KYC or stuff like that to even access DeFi apps and DeFi services. That would suck, man, because that would be DeFi paying for the broken. Yeah, just like taking on the responsibility for the stupidity of centralized exchanges and institutional players mm -hmm. when like it's CeFi that's breaking things all over. It's not DeFi because when something in DeFi breaks down, it's pretty controlled. When it's CeFi like this, it just peels all over and creates this whole fucking mess. So that that would be really sad to see, to see that you suddenly have to KYC for a US entity, even if you're outside the US to use Aave or to mm -hmm. use uh, whatever it is you use, Uniswap. Like call it like the most broader use case, just change one, exchange one currency for the other. That would really, that would really, really suck. Yeah, and the thing about like already a lot of these, I would say they're not DeFi, but they're like the the swap services, the it can, no account anonymous swap service things. Uh, they already anonymous. don't really, you know, like Swap Space or you know, get to what is it, um, Changely, like those kinds of things. Um, they already don't really work in the US. So you have to use like a VPN and stuff, like SideShift. Yeah. So I think that DeFi front ends will just, they'll just become DeFi front ends if they aren't already. And that's just going to be the experience where you go, oh, you got to register if you're in the US. If not, fucking turn on a VPN. <laughs> so anyway, as oh, one time says here, the whole point of cryptocurrency is for people everywhere to have personal ownership of their funds and be able to transact without a custodian or intermediary without friction. That's why cryptocurrency is valuable, is a valuable idea and worth investing in or speculating on. I hope it won't take much longer for people to realize the danger and stupidity of trusting a custodian to hold and manage their crypto. I mean, honestly, I just think it's going to be like, they just got to lose their money. Like, Part of it is lose their money, but part of it is also being able to pursue these gains. And honestly, this is what I kind of started to come to the realization on was DeFi indirectly caused this, kind of. Because DeFi gave people a way to make a bunch of yield. And if you can do that on DeFi, why would you do that on CeFi? You know, or why would you use CFI at all? And so then the CFI yeah. exchange just started upping their game in an unsustainable way to compete with DeFi. Be like, well, we're going to just... But then they started doing stupid things like loaning things out and highly leveraged things and everything. And just like... And then that all collapsed because they were trying to compete with DeFi. And so I think that in the future, probably, what you're going to see is CFI acting as... Uh, and I've said this before, and so I guess we'll see if I'm right or wrong about it, but... 
I'm I think we're gonna see CFI like exchanges become DeFi front ends plus fiat on and off ramps. Just sort of like so for example, say everyone trades on Thorchain. Instead of this, it will be like Coinbase will be like a bank thing where you can buy and sell with your bank account and then just plug into a Thorchain on the back end for those trades. And so they won't have to do kind of any of this. In fact, I think that a lot of just like that what do they call it? The audits, like the, the proven financial audits and stuff. Instead of those, I think that CFI will be like proven that they, they'll prove that they are plugging into these DeFi protocols because that's, that's interesting the instead. That's interesting. So imagine you have a, a permissioned gateway to DeFi. So like, even if you KYC, let, let's concede that part. If you KYC through a centralized exchange, then they have to prove that they get you into DeFi and that the keys are all yours. They're just supplying a friendly front end to do so. That'd be cool. And yeah. then like they provide all the interfaces. So you move your funds from A to B so that you deploy, etc., to protocols, dApps, all this stuff. But like in the end, I mean, I see that working. I see that being and um and the primitives for doing that they're not even that hard regulation yeah. is what makes them hard i mean uh, so many um front ends are starting to integrate into things such as thorchain already um so for example i know edge wallet just added thorchain as their swap service now so oh, really? Edge Wallet, you can do that i mean i don't know if it's all assets or it's a lot of them but then the, the craziest thing is DEX aggregator services in front ends. So for example, um, I can't remember which one, if it was ThorSwap or ThorWap, one of these ThorChain uh, front ends also combines with like Uniswap or some of these ETH things because then they have a bunch of ETH tokens available to trade that are not available on ThorChain, the protocol itself. So they just kind of aggregate both. And then there's a another um what is it it's in there's another um protocol like a, a thorchain fork called maya which at this point i don't know if they've launched yet but that's it's basically kind of like the litecoin <laughs> as it were right like the the cheap knockoff or whatever of thorchain but but also it have different assets on it and then there's something called, I forget what it's called, like the Dark Exchange or Black Exchange or something, which is another fork that they're planning of Thorchain that's only going to have like privacy-centric assets such as like Monero and Zcash. And so, okay. but so what they're doing with all these, one DeFi front end would be able to aggregate between all of these. And so let's say I want to trade um, Bitcoin or like, let's say I want to trade Avalanche, you know, AVAX for Dash. So Avalanche is on uh, is on Thorchain right now. Now in this hypothetical, let's say Dash is only on Maya instead. So I would be able to just still make the swap even though they're on two different platforms because there might it might swap for one intermediary or whatever, and it, it would just aggregate the little you know the the extra cost or whatever. But you'd be able to swap across that whole thing. Or like you have a front end that has like this super secret dark exchange it's only the privacy assets that all the developers are anonymous and they're like everything's super hidden but you just plug into that and then all of a sudden you can offer on a main thorchain 
aggregator, these other assets too. So pretty soon it's just going to be like a plug and play and then just like mix and match across things. And that that's where it starts to get pretty interesting. And I'm sure then you'll find a bunch of front ends getting busted for, um, for like fraud because for pretending to be plugging into backends that they're not plugging into. And so like someone's like, hey, I traced my transaction here and it turns out it went to this pool, which is actually not a DEX pool at all. This is they're actually, they're running their own knockoff in the back end and like loading it. Oh, then they get all busted. And so there's probably a, there's probably a zero knowledge way to, to prove that. But like the, the thing is like the technological adoption is so slow. Like imagine just when it's, even if all the tools are built and ready, imagine how long it's going to take governments and regulators to start accepting zero knowledge proofs and this kind of thing. I, I see that as a big challenge. Like these are technologies that you can build and that can be useful, but like when are they going to start accepting them? It, it's just like, I, I don't see a world in which like, you know how they say like the world moves forward one day at a time so like mm -hmm. you kind of need to wait for like the old set of people to die in order for like the new people to finally be able to take over that shit's generational like yeah you need you just need change in like that super primitive way just like people retiring passing on to younger people new technologies being accepted new technologies being spread so that's our role here right like to just like talk about these things and get people to learn about them and to and to yeah have them in the conversation so eventually something happens one day but like yeah well good thing though i don't think it's going to take that long for the this institutional generational change to happen either because um when you're in a, a younger generation in your brain can still absorb a lot of new things. A lot of times we have several technological changes within a very short window. And so it's not like, well, this generation knew this technology, that one did this. It's like, well, this generation knew this, that, 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 that technology. And that's yeah. as far as they stopped learning. And so we get to kind of skip ahead a whole bunch. Uh, but also like there's new people all the time. The other thing I think is interesting, which I've noticed, I don't know if you've looked at any celebrities lately, but people, are living longer <laughs> than they used to. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I like, look at Madonna. Yeah. Well, look at Jennifer Aniston. She looks great. Yeah. I mean, look at um, Tom Cruise. He looks like, he looks like me. And he's like 60 something. Like, I don't know. He's old as anything. It, it, like, you're starting to see this stuff. I mean, it's like what I would call the reverse Hoskinson, right? Where you have people who, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't know what that guy's doing, but he's not doing the right thing. Um, yeah, you get you get to start hanging out. <laughs> He's gonna start putting his money towards this kind of thing, man. Yeah, and so I think that we're going, or hopefully, going to start seeing the, the the the. I think the thing with the generational thing, I'll just end that point up there. Is I think that what happens is people grew up their entire lives. Everything they learn about the world is this is a, a very specific thing. And so when things change, they have a hard time changing to the new thing. However, first off, once you, you, there's a lot of people that have a longer formative period of their lives, right? Like for example, a lot of what I'm doing at, I guess I'm 35 right now, right? A lot of what I'm doing in my life right now 
is something that young 20 year olds would be doing. And, you know, just, or just like just starting out with this thing or that thing. It's about that formative learning period is much longer for a lot of people now. But also if people get used to, oh, every five years I change the way I make payments, for example. If people get in that habit, then even when they get old, they're still conditioned to be like, well, I, can, I have to do a new thing. At least that's my hope. But um, let me hit on, see what was the next thing over here. Yes. Well, we got, we got the lever. You think I have to run in like five minutes? So okay. do you want to just very quickly go over the over yes. the library thing? Because well, me, I really want to hear your take here. Let me hit this thing real quick first, just to say, yeah. Thorchain, as we mentioned, DeFi says the people deserve secure non-custodial swaps directly from hardware wallets. It's that simple. And I think that once we start actually having that, these kinds of ca catastrophic issues will not be a thing kind of anymore. All right, so let me just so we could say something it's, real quick. In my, in my mind, it's the in my mind, it's the on ramps off ramps. Really, like you have, I mean, yeah, it, it's good to say like when you when you live in crypto, you don't have these problems. We know that angle, right? But like, really, I mean, we live in a fiat world. It's a transition, so gotta figure out figure out the on ramps off ramps. What we said about like gateways that directly plug you to DeFi, I think that's the way. I think that's where where we should be working on to to create nice interfaces that support on and off ramps, but that also just like connect you to the real thing. Yeah. Well, let me hit the library thing really quick. Judge rules, library video platforms, token is is a security in case bought brought by the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission. So, real quick, the library thing. Um, Library was a is a proof of work coin, like a mined coin, and started in I think 2015 or 16, and had I think something like a 50% pre-mine or something, like almost half the supply was pre-mined by the company, and then I, that was their the company's basically sole source of revenue over the many years that they developed the protocol, and the library token is a utility token, and of course bunch of people are watching on odyssey right now so hi guys by the way um and so basically what the sec ruled was that because well, first off because you sold this to token it had no it had a mostly investment usage or like a, an investment usage that's why you were promote you promoted it as such and also, since the company had no other major sources of revenue other than to do this, this could definitely be considered a security. Now, I think there's a bunch of holes with that, but the big thing is they did not specify yet what happens as a result. Like, which in my opinion is potentially good for library, but potentially very bad for the crypto space. It's good for library because what we don't know what's going to happen as a result. Are all library tokens of security from here on out? That would be kind of ridiculous to say that. I don't think so. They might say that, well, they sold securities during these points and have to pay a huge fine, the company. But the token is not a security today, which like Ethereum, for example, because Ethereum yeah. was pre-mined. Ethereum had an ICO. It had no consumptive value when those people bought that token. That was a securities offering if ever there was one. Now, is yeah, Ethereum a security today? 
Um, I mean, a past past SEC members have met, said no, they don't think so. Um, I also don't think so, and I also don't want to see anything happen to Ethereum negative at all. I mean, I think buyer, people knew what they're buying into, right? But I don't care if the, <laughs> the regulators jump in at all. But that would be like, oh, they have to pay pay some sort of fine. The thing is, when they get to just pick and choose the laws, they come up. Well, come along so they get a judge to declare this but then they're like all right well what happens as a result it's so not clear and whenever there's fear uncertainty and doubt that not only crushes innovation but pushes it out of the country and so basically the big lesson is don't launch your crypto uh publicly like uh, attached to your identity or in the u.s those are the big things why launch it in another country and be anonymous and that's that's the one way you know you're going to be okay and i i did mention other things like okay well don't pre-mine you know just like have a fair launch as they call and have your your company have a revenue source it isn't the token price going up and down and all you know there's a few things to be better but honestly that's just like you could still get screwed don't launch in the us and don't be public and you're probably going to be okay like I hate to but say also, it like that, but whatever. But but also, just don't like like the big problem right now is implying because actually, I mean, I know a project. I'm, I'm not going to say names right now, but I know mm. a project that made their emails with Coinbase semi-public, and basically the whole deal was Coinbase didn't want to list them because of all the stuff that they put on their blogs or on their tweets and how that would make them unable to pass the Howie test. Mm -hmm. So basically, all of, all, everything that they were saying was implying that there was a, that there was an opportunity to profit from people's efforts. Mm -hmm. And that, my friends, is very hard to avoid because if you're a crypto project that did not have a fair launch, which is 99.8% of them, yeah. then you don't have a chance to standing up to this because anything could be classified as it, it depends on your regulator's mood and that's really a problem because yeah how do you prove that if you put a picture of your founder on your site and describe who they are for transparency how do you know that the sec is not coming is not going to come look at them and say hey you cited that this guy has a phd that mm -hmm. clearly could lead people to think that they're investing in a smart person's efforts and therefore you're liable for uh, an, yeah, illegal security suffering. So it's just like the old rules don't really apply. They're trying to be forced down through situations where they shouldn't apply. And I reckon more people than we want to admit are gonna get hurt because of this or more projects are gonna get hurt because of that it's just really 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 hard to build anything in 2022 and my main worry right now is that it's just gonna get harder mm, i think so too uh before you run off um yeah i should hit you with this thing right here so since you've been off doing whatever thing i've been I minted a bunch of NFTs for subscribers that they can pay to go and be in the super chat and all the other kind of cool subscriber perks. But also that's the proof of stake element, the proof of work element. You can come on, do work for me, which is be on my show. So now if you're on my show, you get a free shiny microphone NFT, which does all the same stuff. Yay. Congratulations. 
You get your, cool. your your first NFT. Now, I started only on the Wax blockchain, but I'm starting to do Polygon ones too. So your convenience, send me your either Wax or Polygon address, and I'll send this to you. And then, yeah, you'll have it and be into the, the Discord and all the cool stuff, and you'll have a shiny, fun thing. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so yeah, much for being on. Let me send you my Polygon right now. Yeah. I have to, I'll have to mint them after the show, but, um, so yeah, you have to take off now, right? I do, right. I, I do have to go, but yeah, th thank you, man. That was fun. Like the, the hour really rolled by. Very I think, fast. um, I, it was great to hear your, your takes on all of these. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Well, thanks a bunch. Yeah. Well, have fun with the rest of your day. Everyone else have fun the rest of your day. Um, yeah, it's going to be. Crazy times we're living in, for sure. So uh, if you're still watching, please hit me up with a like and a subscribe right now. And then, um, yeah, just follow Carlos at Carlos Can Cab on Twitter. And is that, that yeah. your biggest place you, you hang out? Yes, please. And, yep, maybe by the time you get to do that, Binance has already purchased me. Who knows? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to get, like, Binance tattoo, like the symbol around like each of the nipples right here and um just just in case so then that they'll cz will forgive me for all future sins <laughs> no i'm not oh, actually, yeah, yeah. i'm not actually the, doing the, that but um the, the mark of the beast is the finance logo basically yeah <laughs> all right th th thank you very much my friend and take care yep see you all right everyone bye-bye right. see you next week